Well, okay. Is that noise coming from my microphone? Are we okay? All right. Um, I just was wondering if I, I just need a place to put my Bible here. Um, I guess I can just put it on the floor for now. Um, last week, I brought a message um, that uh, I felt the Lord led me to bring. And it was the fourth in a series on our core values for the church. And the core value that I was preaching about last Sunday was the core value um, that we have expressed as keep the main thing the main thing. It's about simplicity. Keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is discipleship. That's what I talked about last week. That the church and our mission is to make Christ-like disciples with a heart for God and a passion for people. Making Christ-like disciples in the nations is the mission of the Church of the Nazarene around the world. And so what was interesting about it is um, every now and again I'll preach a sermon or somebody will preach a sermon that uh, provokes thought and provokes deeper discussion and sometimes I get pushback on those sermons, and I welcome the input that I get from people after. I really, really do. I love to get a conversation going. Um, but, you know, I did kind of provoke something in that message last week, but what was really kind of cool was uh, nobody threw stones at me. Um, Stephen, the first martyr of the church, if you read the, in the Bible, he was actually stoned to death for the sermon that he brought, and, and nobody did that to me, so I'm grateful for that. Um, so thank you. But I really did want to provoke uh, a conversation. And uh, so I met with uh, our, our leadership network on Tuesday night and then again on Saturday morning with another group. And we had a deep conversation of all, all of this and a lot of good people. And, and people who are very committed to the Lord and devoted to his church and, and, and very uh, involved in ministry and all that said that they felt after my sermon, some of them said they felt a little inadequate. Um, and they felt, you know, maybe that if they understood me correctly, maybe there wasn't a place for them. And that made me feel bad that they interpreted it that way because that's not what I intended to say. And so I've gone back to rewatch it. Uh, my wife did as well, and I, I think some others have done that. Some of you told me that you've uh, watched it or listened to it a second time. Um, but I do believe this. Uh, one of the scriptures I've locked onto, and it's, it's, I think it's in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, 10, is it says that we are to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And I do feel that one of the things I need to do as a pastor is I need to encourage and I need to comfort and, and all of that. But I also need to spur people on. Um, and because we all know that even as parents, that there's times you've got to put your arm around your kids and, and you've got to rejoice with them when, when, uh, and celebrate with them when something good happens, but you also have to mourn with them and weep with them when something bad happens. But we also need to help them to become the adults that God designed them to be. And sometimes that means we've got to push them out of the comfort zone a little bit. And I really believe that God has specifically uh, called me to do that in our church. But I have to tell you this. After Tuesday night meeting with the Leadership Network, we had quite a discussion. I got some emails and text messages from people, and I had a really dark time on Wednesday morning. 
I was just like, I, I, was, I was down. I, I was feeling uh, discouraged. I was feeling uh, a little depressed. And I'm a pretty upbeat guy. I'm very buoyant, actually. But I'm human. Um, and any pastor who's honest will tell you that sometimes you have those moments um, when you question yourself. Um, and I thought, you know, Lord, I, I, I don't need everybody to like me, but you didn't call me, um, you didn't call me to hurt people. I, I, I never want to do that. And so I just did a lot of soul searching. I was praying and I was journaling and saying, Lord, am I wrong? And um, so I, I, I did feel some sort of chastening from God. I felt like God had his hand heavy upon me because he was saying, Brian, I want you to pay attention. And I didn't, the Lord not at all didn't say, Brian, what you're, what you're leading the church towards is wrong. Not at all. But that he wanted to bring some balance to the things that I was saying last Sunday. So here's what I want you to know. I am listening. I listen, first of all, to the Lord. But I also listen to his people. And I have to always discern which voices are the voice of God. Sometimes when people speak to me, I go, that, oh, that's the Lord. You, what you just said, I, I, I received that as from God. Uh, but that isn't always the case, and I have to be discerning about that, but I am listening. Um, and so my wife, Colleen, and I have had a conversation about this message last Sunday, and, and uh, she said she felt uneasy about some things, and so with, you know, she and I talked about this, and she rewatched it, and she took notes on some of the things that made her feel a little uncomfortable. And, uh, and I thought that was great. So um, last week, uh, I said in the sermon, you know, that each one of us should ask God to give us a vision for what other people can be, you know, so that we don't limit what God can do through other people. And we got talking about that statement. And I didn't mean to say by that that, that you should play the part of God. That, that, but but the, all I meant by that was that when we're teaching people, if you're teaching a, a group of little children, say in Sunday school, and let's say you have a child that's really got a low self-esteem and is really struggling, maybe comes from a broken home, is that we want to be able to say, just say to God, God, what do you want to do in this child's life that maybe that child doesn't even recognize? Or maybe that I don't recognize. Would you show me, Lord, so I can help that little child to grow, to become who God, who you, Lord, meant her to be? And that's what I meant by that. But Sometimes things that we say as preachers don't quite come out the way we intend. And I just wanted to confirm to you that, that I, I, I'm listening uh, to this. And anybody who heard this message last Sunday and felt a little bit inadequate um, after it, don't do that. Hang on to this. I want to talk a bit about 1 Corinthians 12 today. Um, I've made the statement, and I made this, I think, near the end of my message. If you're not making Christ-like disciples, what's stopping you? I think I made a statement like that last week, didn't I? I said, if you're not making Christ-like disciples, what's stopping you? I'm going to walk that back just a little bit, and I'll tell you why. Is I believe, as I've reflected on this and prayed about it, and this is what the Lord revealed to me, is that the call to make disciples is a call to his church. To his church as a divinely called community of people. We are called by God as a community to nurture people so that they are conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. 
That's what the New Testament teaches us. But we don't all play the same role in that process. All of us are unique. And that, that takes us into this passage on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So let's just go through this a bit by bit. The church is God's church. It is the church through which Jesus Christ shed his blood. He died for his church. He is the chief shepherd of his church. The apostle Paul described himself this way. He said, I am a servant of the church. That's all this guy is. That's all our board members are. The rest of our pastoral team, anybody who's in leadership in this church or teaches a class or leads a group, we are just servants. And he is the chief shepherd. Um, He is the head of the body. I am just one of the members of the body. So each of us has to know our place, and that includes the pastor and the pastors of the church. But God uses different kinds of people and a variety of means to accomplish the task of making disciples. So if you take a look at verse 4, it says here, beginning at verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts. So gifts are talents and abilities that God gives to the people in the body of Christ to serve him with. He said there's different kinds of gifts. There's a variety of gifts. There's a variety of ministries, it says, in verses 4 through 6. And then there's a variety of results that are produced when people use their gifts. There's lots of variety. We all have a part to play, but we do not all play the same part. There is room for everybody. And all this is for the common good, so that everybody can be edified and so that God can be glorified. Take a look at verses 7 uh, and following. It says, To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. So to one, they have wisdom. To another, they've got knowledge. By the same spirit. To another, they have faith. Another one has gifts of healing. Another, miraculous powers. Another, prophecy. Another, to distinguish between spirits. Another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And another, interpretation of tongues. And then it says, so there's all this diversity, all this variety of gifts. But it says in verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So, no, we are not all the same. This is not cookie cutter. You don't have to be me. I don't need to be you. There's a variety, and that's how God intended it. So, somebody sent me an email this week as a follow-up to the discussion we had at our Leadership Network Tuesday night about discipleship and, and, and reminded me about a fella at First Alliance Church in Calgary. His name is Ray Matheson. I don't know if he's still with us, but, but Ray Matheson, some of you know. And there's a nickname for him called One A Day Ray. And the reason they called him One A Day Ray is because he was an evangelist. He was a guy that could, you know, if somebody was an agnostic or an atheist, didn't have faith in Jesus, he was the guy that could, could walk 
people through that you know, and bring them to a place of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He just had that ability to do that. So people became Christians. And, and I don't know if he baptized them all or not, but we know that Ray Matheson has the gift of evangelism to lead people to Jesus. One a day, Ray. That's, that's what they called him because it was so common for him. So you and I look at that. If I asked you, how many people have you led to the Lord this last year? And you're like, oh, don't be ashamed unless God's called you to do that. But honestly, is it fair for me to compare myself to him? Is it fair for you to compare yourself with him or to compare yourself with me or for me to compare myself with you? No. All that matters is that we're obedient to what God has called us to and that we're willing to use the gifts he's given us. One a day, Ray, guess what? I don't know that he was a mentor to all those people. Do you think he mentored every single one of the people? Could he do that? If he led 365 people to the Lord in one year, can he follow up with all those people? Not at all. And so it's like somebody else reminded me this week in a phone conversation. It's like a relay race. And you know how that works in the Olympics, right? And you got that baton and you run the first leg of that race and then somebody else is ready to go and they grab that baton and they take the next leg. And that's what we're doing in the church. But the metaphor the Apostle Paul uses is that of a body. We're one body. Ray Matheson, when he would lead people to Jesus, he had one part to play in the spiritual journey of that woman or that man that he led to Christ. But he doesn't have to play every part. And he may not be called to mentor all those people. Somebody else needs to do it, though. Somebody needs to disciple them. That's what I'm trying to say. As a church, we need to make sure that we're discipling people. But what is your role in that process? That's the question. And so, as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, one person sows the seed, another waters it, but who gives the increase? God. One can sow, one waters, another can reap, but it's God who gives the increase. But we all have a different part to play. And so the Apostle Paul does in verses 12 to 14, he likens the church, he uses the metaphor of a body. He says, Christ is the head, we're all just members of the body. But it's one body. Even though... Your body has many parts. You're still one body. You're not just a head. That's kind of creepy. <laughs> or just a hand crawling across the floor. There's unity and there's coherence to the body. And there needs to be the same with the church of Jesus Christ. It's, the idea is that we're all unique. We're all different. There is variety. And we must all work together harmoniously so that people are built up and edified and that God is glorified. And verse 11 says, all this variety is the work of one and the same Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that binds us together. And so, because the ministry of the church is the work of the Holy Spirit, and because we all matter, everybody matters, 
Everybody belongs. Everybody has something to offer. Do not disparage yourself and the part that you play, however small you may think that is. Because God loves you. Jesus reminded us, you know, he talked about the parable of the talents. Some people have five, some have three, two, one. We're not here to compare with each other. And I certainly don't want you to hear me saying that. Whatever, whatever God has called you to do, just be obedient to that one thing. If the part that God wants you to play is to take care of the church uh, yard up front and the landscaping, and that's your role, wonderful. Then do that for the glory of God. He may not be calling you to teach Sunday school to children or to youth or to adults. We all have a part to play. I thought of, you know, like a, a car manufacturer, you know, and the old-fashioned way of doing it. I think they still do it this way in some places, but, you know, the assembly line, and there's an assembly line to build a car, and one person, you know, this one person, their job is to put one part in place and to bolt that thing in place. That's what they do. And there's a whole bunch of cars, and they might have a 1,000 cars pass their way in one day, but their, their job is to do that one thing. Could that person say, I built that car? Not really. But he could say, I had a part to play in building that car. See, it's not about our personal glory. It isn't about me. It isn't about you. It's about the glory of God. And at the end of the day, we can say, we did that together for the glory of God. Um, and so we should not disparage the small part that we might play in this. It's kind of interesting at the end of Ephesians, near the end of Ephesians chapter 4, maybe it's around the middle, but verses 15 and 16, the apostle Paul says, you know, that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers uh, for the equipping of the saints to build up the body of Christ, you know. That's what it says, but near the end it says, and all of us are to grow up into Christ as each part does its work. The body of Christ, the church, is built up and fulfills its mission as each part does its work. But not every part is the same. And so, because everybody matters and everybody belongs, and everybody has something to offer. We shouldn't disparage ourselves, but neither should we disparage the contribution of others. And that's what verses 21 to 26 says. You know, the earlier verses, you know, say, you know, because I'm not a, a hand, you know, I don't belong to the body. What if you, how would, let me ask you a question. How many of you, if you had a choice to be a hand or a foot, what would you rather be? How many of you would like to be a foot? Really? Serious? Well, you're humble. Okay. How many of you would like to be a hand? I, I, you know what I like about the hand? It's got dexterity. You know, uh, how many, you know, there, there's apparently a, a person who uh, lost his limbs or was born without limbs, uh, arms and stuff, who learned how to paint and do things and cook and everything with his feet. But that's really not easy to do. There's more dexterity in the hand. But, so what if the foot, what if you're a foot in the body of Christ? What if that's what God made you to be? And do you look at the hand and say, you know, I'm not a hand. I don't have that dexterity. I'm not as fancy, you know, so I don't belong. No, that's not right. God isn't saying that. 
We need to be content with who they are, with who we are, each one of us. But then it says, because everybody matters, we shouldn't disparage the contributions of other people. We shouldn't say, you know, you don't belong. If we should never, ever, ever make somebody feel that they don't belong, that they don't fit in. That's not up to me. It's the Holy Spirit who puts the body together. Um, there's a, a story about uh, Menenius Agrippa, who was a guy that lived a long time ago, who used the metaphor of the body, and he said, you know what happened is, uh, this is like a fable, okay? The, the rest of the body rebelled against the stomach. And they said, you know, the stomach's getting all the food. And we don't like that. The stomach is selfish. We're going to choke off the passage of food to the stomach. Teach that stomach a lesson. What do you think happened? The rest of the body got feeble and weakened. And they realized, oh, we need the food to go to the stomach because that gets passed along to the rest of us. The fact is, and that's what it means near the end, um, in verse, I think it's around verses 25 and 26, where it says there should be no division in the body. Uh, we should have equal concern for each other. If one member suffers, we all suffer. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. We're one body. Yes, there's variety. There's diversity. We're different. We're not all the same. Some of us are uh, people that get up on the platform and don't mind be the center of attention. Other people are just like, I want to I wanna work behind the scenes and please don't use my name, you know. Um, that's okay. We're all different. Some people have a really big part to play. Others might have a smaller part to play. But it's each according to the gifts that God has given you. And we need to be content with that. I'm not Billy Graham. He had a huge part to play. He had a global ministry. I don't have a global ministry. I need to be content with who God has made me to be. We all have a role to play. So, if last week made you feel, well, I, I, I don't belong, I, I feel inadequate, that's not the message I intended. What I want, I don't want you to feel like I'm not enough unless the Holy Spirit is telling you something. If God is saying to you, there's more I have for you, then great. That's great. But there's a difference here between discipling and training. Um, I, I was thinking of the team in the back here. So we've, we've got our... Uh, production team, our technical team in the back who are doing the camera work and, and lighting and sound and the, the uh, slides on the screen and all that kind of stuff. And it's really interesting. Uh, they work together as a team. And you know what? Somebody could be involved in a technical role behind the scenes and may not ever feel called to teach a child. And that's okay. But here's all I say to people, is if you're really good at running sound, if you're really good at operating a camera, would you think about training someone else to do what you're doing? That's important. To pass it along so other people who can be good at that can learn how to do it as well. 
But is everybody called to be a mentor to someone for a lifetime? I don't think everybody's called to be a mentor to someone for a lifetime. But all of us have a part to play so that those who are called to it can accomplish it. So we're all at different places on the journey of discipleship. Uh, Some people evangelize. Some people teach. Others serve in supportive roles. Some people serve behind the scenes. We have a, uh, if you look at the list of spiritual gifts, there's people who have the gift of helps, people who have the gift of serving, and so on. We all have different gifts. In Acts chapter 6, it tells us that some of the widows in the early church felt overlooked. And so what the apostles said, you know, we need to focus on the word of God and prayer. So we're going to appoint some people, seven men who will take care of waiting on tables, basically. And they became the first deacons of the church. They said, we all have a different part to play. The apostles knew what their part was, and it was about leadership. But not everybody was called to the same thing. So they said, let's have a separation of these responsibilities. And what's interesting about this, though, is that two of those seven men who were called to work behind the scenes were Stephen and Philip. Here was Stephen who was called to wait on tables, so to speak, so the apostles could preach the word of God and pray and lead the church. What did Stephen end up doing? God called him one day to preach to a bunch of Pharisees and people in the Sanhedrin, the the Jewish high court. And he was preaching, and he gave a really strong sermon that people didn't like. And they stoned him to death. They executed him. God said, you may be called to serve, but I have a task for you. And so what I want to say to all of us is don't limit what God might want to do for you. Um, How about Philip? He was one of the seven called to this humble role of serving. One day the Holy Spirit says, "Um, Philip, I want you to stop what you're doing, go down the road to Gaza, and I've got something I want you to do. And I'm guessing he didn't know what it was. And so he obediently uh, follows the leading of the Holy Spirit. He goes down there, he sees an Ethiopian eunuch, a guy who is like a high official, a treasurer from Ethiopia, and he leads this man to Jesus Christ and baptizes him. Now that wasn't necessarily the role of a deacon. That was just something God called him to do in that moment and said, I've got a, a job for you. All I'm trying to say is, it's okay for each of us to have our place in the body of Christ, however small or however large that might be, but always be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. If he says, I want you to go talk to that person, I would like you to follow up with that person. I want you to spend some time with that person. Just be willing to not limit what God might want you to do. And so, just in closing, um, I believe God has called me to be the lead pastor of First Church of the Nazarene. Uh, this is almost to the day my 13th year as lead pastor of this church. I started in Mar- March 8th, uh, 2008. Um, I sometimes struggle uh, being just who I am, just like you struggle being who you are. 
There's times I envy um, the giftedness of other pastors. I think, oh, I wish I had that. I wish I could be more like so-and-so. And part of my journey has been I need to be content with who God's made me to be. And that's why it's a body, folks. That's why it's a team. We've got a pastoral team. I, about a year and a half, two years ago, I said I wanted to share the preaching of the church with other people, so I would do about 50% of the preaching. Do you know why? One of the reasons why was I thought, you don't need to hear this guy every Sunday. You need to get a, a different flavor some Sundays. And you know what? Every time, if Pastor Blaine gets up to preach, you get a different flavor. When, when Alyssa, when she was youth pastor, when she would preach, when Heather Roy would preach, when, you know, whoever would speak, Trent McDowell, uh, everybody brings something different. You don't, who do I think I am that you need to hear what I, you don't have to hear what I, you have to, have to, hear, you have to hear what God wants to say to you. But he speaks differently through different servants. Have you ever noticed when you read the Bible, when you read the different parts of the Bible, like in the New Testament, if you read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all have a different flavor. They're all different because they were written by four different human personalities. It's all God's word, but God spoke through the unique personalities of each of those writers. And so I'm like, I, this, so I've been doing this thing called Strength Finder. Steve Shrout, um, who's a professional coach, uh, don't have the full handle on that, but, but Steve uh, took me through a thing called Strength Finder, Clifton Strength Finder, and we've been talking our way through it. And um, one of the things that I learned about myself, and, and this is just really, really interesting, um, is it says that these are the things that I don't like. Okay, this is just, kind of who I am. I don't like an us versus them mentality, okay, where there's tribalism. Um, and you've heard me say that I, I, I do believe I need to be a unifier of God's people. I, I'm not content with the status quo. I'm really not. Uh, I'm, I don't like it when there's resistance to necessary change. I don't like um, being invisible or being ignored by other people. <laughs> You know what is interesting about that? Is I have to come to a place where I could say, God has shaped me and gifted me and called me to be a certain kind of a pastor. And, but if all you had was people like me, the church would be out of balance. We need every gift. And so I just want to say to you, um, Accept who God has made you to be. If you're quiet, if you're reserved, if you're behind the scenes, just say, God, thank you for making me me. And show me how I can be my utmost for you in the role that you've given me. And Lord, thank you for my one talent. And help me not to compare myself with the person who's got five. But at the same time, Say, God, if there's more that you want to do through me, please show me. And so, in closing, here's what I want to say. Uh, we've done a few town hall meetings, and they're always great. Uh, I'm going to do another town hall meeting. I'm calling it, you'll get the information. It's going to be um, in a week and a half. 
and we'll do it probably on Zoom, um, and I'll send you all the information. And what I want to do is invite a larger con uh, conversation with you. I really do. And I know it's always risky to do these kind of things, but I just believe this is important. I want to say to you, um, I am approachable. I will listen. And we together are going to make disciples and bring glory to God together. Um, if there's something that God is saying to you that this guy needs to hear, I need to listen. I need to weigh it over against the word of God and what others are saying. But let's have a conversation. And I want to encourage um, you to express yourself. I always say to people, express yourself, but, but be kind, be nice. But express yourself. Um, let's continue the dialogue openly and let's work together to make Christ-like disciples. Accept who God has made you to be, but don't limit who God wants you to be in the future. God bless you. I want to pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to meet. I thank you for the body of Christ. Lord, that you revealed that to the heart of the Apostle Paul so many years ago that we are a body. There's one head, Jesus Christ. It is his church. We are just members of the body. We're different. There's a variety. We're not all the same. Some have a large part to play. Some have a smaller part to play. Some are weaker. Some are stronger. But we all have a role to play. Thank you. And so, Lord, I pray that as we make Christ-like disciples with a heart for God and a passion for people, that you would show us what is the role that each of us should play in that task. And may we do it in a way that Christ will be exalted, that the Holy Spirit would be released into the lives of people, and that you, Father, will be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, and God bless you all. Have a great week.